we going to put it on the table? Or? No, I'm just going to hold it there here. There we go. Uh, and hello, another hello. podcast. Hello, I'm Steve. And I'm Dubba. Um, we thought we'd talk today about the death of music. <laughs> the death of music. The death, uh, and actually we'd quite like the death of the death of music, wouldn't we really? Yeah, absolutely. And it's all of these things, all of these things that you see written about in newspapers and blogs about uh, the end of this or the death of the death of music journalism. Uh, my particular favourite one is um, is X killed the Y star, mm. um, which is just this thing that keeps cropping up over and over again. If you call your blog post or your newspaper article, you know, Spotify killed the record star or any variation on that theme. <laughs> I want nothing further to do with you ever um, because it's nonsense. I mean, it, not only is it lazy, uh, this whole, um, in the same sense that anybody who wants to use the word fear will always follow it with and loathing in a newspaper yeah, article. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's an absence of thinking. And and there was a really good example of it today. There was a, uh, I can't remember who it was, actually. Somebody in The Guardian wrote an article about how music is essentially dead to them. And, and they kind of lamented it a little bit. But um, it was one of those things where um, uh, I got rid of all my CDs when I moved house, and now I only listen on Spotify. Uh, and because of streaming music, and now I don't own things anymore, the music doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Um, but the journalist also mentioned that uh, they only now listen through laptop speakers, which to me was kind of, yeah, there's more to it than just it used to be on a plastic disc and now it's kind of streaming, and yeah. that, you know, or how the, the monetary transaction took place. The problem is you're listening to it through basically a, a piece of tinfoil stuck on a bit of paper. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, ast- it's astounding what the way that I respond differently to, to music through that. And, and and it's funny how many people will talk about, about the fidelity of a particular recording and go on about, you know. The, the, my favourite, I think, was Prince de- decrying digital music and com- saying that, you know, it was sad in comparison to CDs. It's like, you do realise CDs are digital music. Yeah. You've just got it in a CD instead of on a hard drive. Um, but but it was, yeah, the, the, the loss of perspective that says... That well, because because the other the other big thing is lifestyle shift. So so if you change the way you listen, then it's going to change the way you appreciate. It. If you listen on laptop speakers, you're hearing less than a third of the music that's been recorded, mm-hmm. and you're going to respond to it differently. It's like you know. But the flip side is also true. I mean, there are people who spend their lives in professional recording studios decrying the MP3 as a terrible loss in quality, not realising that most people have been listening to music in crappy car stereos or, or over the radio and through FM processing yeah, for decades. Forever. And, you know. I mean, and, and the, the option to listen to, to music on, in high quality, I mean, the fact that I've got, like, I, on my journey over here, I was listening via my music on my phone. So kind of, it's almost like the music, the music ability on my phone is spare capacity. I didn't buy it because it had a great, DAC converter in it, you know, it was, I, I bought it because it was a good phone. And I can listen to music on that with a pair of headphones that, you know, cost about 120 quid, but, are, you know, they're, they're not crazy. But it's so far beyond anything that I could possibly have carried around with me in terms of quality, even 15 years ago. Yeah. The, the, the cassette Walkman or a CD Walkman, and I can have all of that music there. And, and those are choices I make. And this is the bit that really bugs me, is people who, who try and present their own fatalistic choices or inertia as though that is the consequence of some kind of seismic change in the way that we as a culture process music as though it's something that they were... It was unavoidable and it happened to them and they now feel 
depressed about the fact that music isn't worth as much because they are now parents and yeah and and don't own a decent stereo and don't choose to own a decent stereo and don't choose to make time for music the way they did when they were 18 and, well, and their entire self-definition was because of it it's it's technological determinism too it's this idea that that these technologies make us a certain way or make us feel as a culture about mm. certain things but i mean like I, I got rid of all my cds as well but i've got a better stereo than i used to have when i had cds and sometimes i buy vinyl um, but I also listen to digital music, but I download high-quality digital music. One of the other things this journalist said was that they um, uh, they find themselves on Spotify listening to the same Rihanna tunes over and over again. And I kind of got to the point where it's like, yeah, I only eat McDonald's nowadays and through a straw. And isn't it <laughs> yeah. interesting as a culture that food's not as important to us as it used to be? There was a blog post a couple of, a couple of weeks ago on Hypebot. Saying the internet is a terrible place, to, terrible place to discover music. Uh, what? Which was, <laughs> and I was like, this is a different. Does the internet mean bin bag in your house? Rummaging through my bin is terrible because it's like, how can you possibly say that? I, but, but the guy, so the guy's premise was that a there's too much of it, and and b it, it kind of wasn't handed to him in a format that he was used to. And so my reaction was. Well, the internet is only any mechanism for finding music is only terrible if you keep doing terrible things. Yeah. So if you if you have a particular channel on because there are a billion of them online, by which you get served up mediocre music, stop looking there. Yeah. You know. So if if you if you say well MP3 blogs are terrible, they just serve me up. Stop looking at MP3 blogs. My friends on Twitter always recommend rubbish music. Stop listening to the music. But bands keep sending me press releases. Delete them. Yeah. You, there's none of this that is about a compulsion or an inevitability that you have to spend your time waiting for this music. And I keep... I mean, I have to come back to my own experience because that's all I have to, to go on. But I stopped listening to the radio, stopped finding music on TV, stopped listening to things because other people told me they were good and started finding things because they sounded interesting three years ago and I, I've heard so little bad music since. I just don't hear bad music. There's lots and lots of pop music I don't I don't know about at all, so I'm slightly outside of of the kind of you know, the mainstream conversation about Rihanna and 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 um, Jesse well, the, the J Daft thing. Punk thing was really interesting to me because I I mean I heard one track off that Daft Punk album last last week, um, and I was late to the party, and I don't mind being late to the party because I listen yeah. to all sorts of stuff that other people don't listen to, and like I've got plenty to listen to. I'm not missing out if I miss out on the Daft Punk record. Um, and but it's really important to other people that you've heard these things and you yeah, must listen yeah, yeah. which you know I get because people are enthusiastic about it and they want to share it and they want to tell people about it or they want people to stop hyping it or whatever it is they're having the conversation about but the, this idea of, of discovery uh, as a kind of as part of this narrative of the death of and the death of music journalism and there's too much stuff and we're inundated and the quality's bad and all these sorts of things that, that are making us not like music or are making us enjoy music in a bad or un, unsociable way or what, whatever the kind of the critique is, it's all based on this idea that technology makes us a certain way rather than this idea of, well, I mean, I like the idea of affordances. And, and I, the way I kind of explain it is um, this, this idea of if you go into a room and there's a table in the room, one of the affordances of that room is tabletop dancing. Yeah. Right? 
tables don't make you dance. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there might be rules. There might be signs up that say no dancing on the tables. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So you can choose to uh, obey that or transgress that or whatever. But one of the affordances of that room is tabletop dancing, and it's the same with technologies. Technologies have certain affordances about them. They they allow or enable or encourage certain behaviours, but they don't make you do anything. You can you can respond to them in the way that you want to. So um, as a culture and as a society, what's interesting is the way in which we have selected to respond to them. And one of the ways, if if you can kind of take this uh, this death of uh, the joy of music thing seriously in any way at all, if there was a grain of truth in it, it would mean that as a society, we've decided that we don't like music anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't happen to think that's true. Um, but certainly, MP3s, Spotify, downloads, uh, iTunes, whatever you want to blame, didn't make it happen. Yeah, if That's you, what we chose. If you want to sit and listen to Ziggy Stardust 17 times in a row and pick five albums to listen to for the next year the way you did when you were 17, you now have the choice to do that. And they can be any five albums rather than five albums that are handed to you by Smash Hits. So you can afford to be specific in a much, much more targeted way than you ever could before. The fact that we choose not to, and this idea that we abdicate responsibility for our own media consumption, our own cultural engagement, to some kind of wider sense of cynical malaise, you know, within within ourselves as a as a consumer culture, that consumerism is something you can choose to subscribe to and say I want to be a part of that, mm-hmm. or it's something you can choose not to be a part of. Um, and it's not uh, an on-off switch either. It's not a binary. You can kind of dip in and out. But but it's also but this this and I think this is goes on to where I, I guess it, this becomes about being bigger than music. Which is the idea that the the observation of a, a bad trend, uh, that the, the, the this idea that the bad thing is the thing, rather than the bad thing is the thing we need to deal with in order to get to the good thing. Right. That that this happens in 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 culture. It happens in politics. It happens in society. That it's very very easy to be angry. There are lots. I mean, there are lots of lots of things that are um, observable. Uh, human behavioural trends within, in terms of our relationship with music, as as popular culture predominantly, yeah, um, that are negative, sure, or, or that are are regressive, or that are banal, and we can look at those. We can go. Fame this obsession, is, yeah, for yeah, instance. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, the, the the rise of of so called reality TV. What is going to do reality? I don't know. But that. But you know the 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 ex factorization of music listening. Those mm-hmm. kind of things, or even the trend that you know. The, the, the statistics like the fact that 70% of, of people below the age of, t- of, of 25 don't own any speakers that aren't attached to a computer or a phone. You know, those, those whatever, I, that's a made-up stat. It's something like that. What, those kind of things, we can look at them and go, this is terrible. But, we, but what we don't need to go, we don't need to say, this is terrible and this is the thing. We go, well, this that's kind of a negative trend. However, I can opt out of that and I can choose to embody a life that shows why that isn't the only solution. Mm. And I can do that politically. And we were talking about this in in relation to uh, the fact that I, I have this project called Tory Corps. I mean, it's not my project. I play it in Tory Corps. There's three of us. And we take uh, a Conservative Party rhetoric from the last couple of years, particularly the budget speech, and we set it to supremely evil-sounding metal. And we it's heavy riffage. And people's responses to it are quite different because some of them go... Uh, you know, this, this people are, find it cathartic that they suddenly have a way of understanding what you know what it means to see a permatanned 
millionaire spouting this stuff and you put it in a different context some people are incredibly de- depressed by it because the 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 consistency with which this this bullshit is is put forward that's not the point the the the, the, the bit that's important about it is that, that when we do that we bookend it with with really nice music and part of that is because it's jarring and you know you play Bernard Cribbin singing I've grown accustomed to her face before it and then you play heavy metal and people go that's a bit scary but it's also about saying that 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 what bad politics does that bad policy is not the thing shouting about bad politics is not the thing getting angry about and changing bad politics is about making room for the good stuff and the good stuff is already there the good stuff is happening we can do it this stuff is trying to stop us from doing it so let's get it out of the way but let's carry on doing the good stuff yeah so when things are happening in the wider cultural sphere whether that's bad films or bad theater or bad music or a general disconnection from those things, the best thing we can do is connect and celebrate. That we can get in and we can say, look, look at my life. Look look at the way that, that it's possible to engage with music. Let's meet with other people who do that. And then, um, I, I always like to, the, one of my favourite metaphors, the affordance thing is one that I borrow off you regularly. One of mine is, is the idea of, of sort of cultural gravity. And the idea that large collections of things, or, or, you know, or even smaller bodies of things, that they... they, they attain a level of gravity based on, you know, the kind of people being drawn to them. You can see it in with street performers. If you've you know, yeah, ten people yeah. watching a street performer, all of a sudden there's twenty people watching it. If there's nobody watching it, it stays like that. But it's the same. If if you've got a hundred people talking to each other online, and this is something that happens regularly on Twitter, we'll get fifty or a hundred people talking about how great a particular thing is. And it might be band camp, it might be a lot of people talking about the value of downloading high-res files on Bandcamp and listening to them on good stereos. And it only takes a hundred or a couple of hundred people talking about that for that to become a thing. Mm. And for people who are going out shopping for speakers, instead of going, oh, I should go to Dixon's and buy those ones, where they're going to go, you know what, if I buy these, if I ask that community on Twitter, I might be able to get better speakers and be able to hear more music and respond to it differently because I don't want to be that journalist who's trying to blame culture for the fact that he's listening to to rubbish music on laptops. I think it speakers. might have been a she, actually. Well, was it? Okay. Yeah. There we go. Well, I, well, that's interesting. I don't remember. We should unpack the fact that I assumed it was a bloke, because blokes are generally more stupid about this stuff. Well, actually, I want to take... Let's, let's take it to a grumpy bloke, because okay. I, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Charlie Brooker fan. Yes. And you pointed to that article of his where he's like, it's, 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 I've got too much stuff, I've bought too many books, I've got too many DVDs. Stuff yeah. <laughs> and, and I just want somebody to put a plate of food in front of me and tell me to eat it. That was basically his kind yeah, of... Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I have some sympathy for that. I kind of like the idea of this kind of um, uh, curated um, media consumption. But I think for me that online, that's filters. That's the people who recommend mm. things to me who I've grown to trust. And uh, and I've still got a listening pile. I've still got a lot of stuff to go through. I own albums that I haven't played yet, um, but not nearly as many as I used to when I worked in radio, and I get sent stuff all the time, and 90% of it was crap. Um, and now I don't have any bad music in my house, as far as I can tell. I've not discovered any, and I've got a lot of music in my house. But I just kind of, yeah, I mean, I wanted to sort of wave a flag about that, but come bring it back to this idea of the death of... As, as a rhetoric, it's A, it's lazy journalism. B, it's never, ever true. There, there are maybe three technologies that I can think of that have ever been replaced mm. by something else culturally and uh, technologically. Uh, the 8-track, 
Yeah. Uh, mini disc and DAT, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, but I, I have a DAT player. I know people with mini disc players. There are presumably people with eight tracks. This, it's a shifting of ratios. There's never a death of anything, really. Um, and, and even if there is, if something goes away permanently, whether it's um, scribes in, in kind of monasteries or whether it's, you know, the people who fix cartwheels, these are the ones that are usually trucked out as kind of the world has moved on, you should move with them. Um, actually, there's a reason these things go away, and it's because not because um, the the following technology has killed it, but because people decided it wasn't of value to them anymore in the same way. There's there is a, the heart of this, this because of the conversation is about people and about culture. There is the assumption that that the biggest group of people is somehow the most important one, right? And somehow that 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 the gravity of that group is is meant to be an, an, a stronger pull than the others. And somehow that's that's significant. And I think if you write for a national newspaper, that's kind of your job. And it's why we kind of need to treat those those kinds of columns with, with you know, we need to hold them at arm's length. Because it's a view from 30,000 feet. Hmm. That someone writing a column in there about cassette culture is going to do it from a fetish point of view, not from a point of view of saying, this is a really good thing. And me and my 50 mates who all listen to cassettes are having a great time. And yet I know people whose lives are deeply enriched by them having discovered a, a community of people who make music for cassettes and buy and sell cassettes and, and talk about rebiasing old cassette decks. And this is a really important thing to them. And the number of people that do it doesn't matter. Mm. I saw someone else on, on Facebook, I think, saying the cassette thing is irrelevant because it's only it's, it's, it, it doesn't even factor on, you know, if you just draw a graph of music sales, it's less than 0.1 of 1%. You get, but that's not the point. Yeah. If it's 100 people, it's important to those 100 people. That, can, that group can become 101 because it becomes important to you. Well, even on the next level okay. up, even on the next level up, people are talking about... I mean, this is the, the, other, kind of, the other end of this kind of rhetoric thing that you get in newspapers, is um, you get people talking about uh, the, the vinyl resurgence. And the vinyl resurgence is really interesting because it's almost no people. Um, I mean, the, the actual pause. <laughs> we have pizza coming. Pizza podcast. Oh, sorry. It's uh, hang on. <laughs> this is still recording. Yeah. This is live pizza in the middle of a podcast. Uh, Hi, uh, yeah, good. Thanks. Is this house number one twenty six? It is. Yeah, yeah, yep. yes. We did order a massive pizza. That's yeah. good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Right. Pizza okay. Live on the podcast. No, I think we'll probably edit that out. To be honest with you. We might just have as as the, the photo for the podcast. It might actually just be pizza, because I think I, I need to photograph this. So you carry on talking while I. Uh, okay, I was pizza. talking about the, uh, the the vinyl resurgence story. You get a lot people talking about oh, vinyl's making a big comeback, and it's seventy percent uh, up on last year, and the year before that it was fifty percent up on that, and um, and that's true. But those are tiny, tiny, tiny numbers. I mean, we're not. We're not bothering the charts with this stuff. It's it's still a very very niche activity, but it's an interesting story. And interesting mm. stories is what are what makes it into the newspaper, and that's where the death of comes from. Whether it's the death of or or the resurrection of or you know whatever it might be, there is always going to be this. Is it a good story? It gets in the newspaper. I mean, the, the thing I tell um, people who are trying to get coverage in newspapers, um, particularly bands. Uh, in community newspapers, they just want to get mentioned because they've got a gig coming up. Band plays gig in pub, not a story. Bass player gets head stuck in chair, 
that's going in the newspaper. Big story. It's yeah. a story. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting and it's reportable and it's tellable and it's relatable. And I, I think, think that's what makes it work. I think it's also worth commenting that, that, that within that the vinyl statistic in particular, there were people now who are making their entire living out of selling vinyl. There were bands who were previously unviable, mm-hmm. who because they've managed to find a market for their vinyl versions of their stuff, are now selling enough to keep doing what they're doing. Um, and th- this is the same across the board, that if you look at, at industry-wide statistics, single tracks now outsell albums. Albums are a dead format in the death of thing. And then you look at Bandcamp and go, hold on a minute, albums sell out single tracks, outsell single five to one. Yeah. And I've just paid two months of rent off the back of album sales on Bandcamp. I don't think I've sold a single Of your single weird track music, too. Of my weird music. Yeah. Of me and Daniel playing... Uh, improvised music in people's houses in California. That, that there's no model for this. This isn't a new model. This isn't a new thing that a thousand people are doing. No, this a model suggests it's repeatable. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's about. I mean, for us, it's about sustainability of, of our particular project. We mm. make music. We want to do it in a way that allows us to keep making music. So we do it like that. In terms of what it represents to other people, it's about possibility. Yeah. It's about saying you can you can now with these tools, with these elements, with these cultural elements. You can construct around your art a way of, of, of protecting that art from the need to do stupid things in order to try and make money out of it. So we don't need to repackage it as, I don't know, um, but it doesn't have to be on an advert in order for us to make money from it. It doesn't have to suddenly become, we don't have to edit it so it fits with a game in order to do that. We mm. don't have to make videos of us falling down the stairs and poking ourselves with sticks in order to go, oh, look, it's like Jackass, but with improvised music. It doesn't have to be that. We don't... You should so use that line. <laughs> um, I want to I kind of uh, wrap this up, I guess, by, by talking about the fact that you and I are going to be in Dublin yeah. in a couple of weeks' time uh, doing a talk at the Contemporary Music Centre's uh, um, uh, seminar about, the, in inverted commas, the future of music. And I wrote a blog post on the CMC website uh, that went up today and I talked about being what I call an experimental pragmatist. And the idea is that you do what works and you try stuff out and you get to grips with it. You find out what works for you. You abandon the stuff that doesn't. Now I was talking about social networks mostly, but for whatever it is, whether it's I make vinyl or I make cassettes or I release or it's on Spotify or it's not on Spotify, you experiment and then you stick with what works for you. And it's it's really how you respond to this idea of the, the death of anything. Because people who are looking at it and go, oh my God, uh, music's dead. I should not be a musician anymore. I should be a plumber. Um, have not understood kind of that that actually that's not what the message of it is this is just this is a story that's being told and you should do what works for you not kind of read the signs on the wall and go well it's all over really i think what's key about the the death of articles about particularly about music is that they are indicative of the fact that we're that we're obsessed with music that as a culture particularly in england when you travel around the rest of europe they have a very different relationship with music so in not just england britain in Britain, we are utterly obsessed with music. We're in love with music. We're in love with the stories that music tells about who we are. We're in love with the way that music defines us. We divide up eras uh, you know, of the last century are all divided up by the music that we listen to within them. Well, look at rock and roll tedium as a, as a really good <laughs> yeah, example yeah, yeah. of how obsessed we are with music. Like, I saw such and such in a pub. It's, it's like the big story, and it's something that we tell each other. Most of our celebrity stories... Sorry, I have a mouthful of pizza now. Oh, it's the pizza. Most of, it's very good. It's very good. We, we, the picture will go on the blog, so you can enjoy it with us. 
Um, yeah, most most of those stories are about the marriage of of music as a soundtrack and then things that make sense of our lives. And some of them are aspirational. They're about looking at other people being amazing. Some of them are about the lyrics relating to how we feel. It's about feeling understood. And some of it is, for, for, for increasing numbers of people brilliantly, is about making music. Mm. That more and more people are making music. So when everyone goes, oh, the internet's flooded with music, I go, yeah, that means loads of people are making music. Yeah. How can that possibly be a bad thing? Yeah, participation is, is kind of the, the, the thing that makes this win for me. So let's celebrate that and stop talking about the death of things. And when we do see bad things, get rid of the bad things in order to make way for the good things and do the good things so that we know what it is we're getting things out of the way for. <laughs> Very eloquently put. I'll let you go back to your pizza. Thank you very much for listening. Good night.